Welcome to the latest instalment of this block teaching mini series on the Talking Learning and Teaching podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing assessment and feedback on the block with Kathleen Raponi. Kathleen is a senior lecturer in the first year college at Victoria University and specialises in teaching first year law units in the VU block model. After completing her Bachelor of Laws, she was admitted to legal practice in the Supreme Court of Victoria and the High Court of Australia. She's worked as a lawyer for a number of years. Since 2015, Kathleen has been working as a law lecturer at Victoria. In addition, she is a contributing member of the Course Advisory Group Committee and the Teaching and Learning Committee. Kathleen is passionate about creating unique and experiential learning experiences for her students. Her previous experience as a legal practitioner informs her approach to teaching. She has received the Australian Awards for University Teaching Citation for Outstanding Contributions to Student Learning, Vice-Chancellor Citation Awards for Excellence in Learning and Teaching, and two first-year college awards, recognising her innovative design and implementation of first-year law field trips. Enjoy the episode. Kathleen, welcome to the Talking Learning and Teaching podcast. Um, It's great to have you on the show. And we've got you on the show to talk about assessment and feedback on the block. So I guess the first question I want to ask you, it's quite a broad one and quite an obvious one, really, is. Is the way we approach assessment and feedback on the block different from how we would approach it in a more traditional uh, delivery approach? So say if it's sort of semesterized or, or termly. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, it's an honour and a privilege to be here and, and share my experience. Um, so I guess the first thing is to note whether we're in traditional mode or in a block mode delivery, we still have the same learning outcomes and the same content we need to deliver. So that that's a really important note, um, which means that our assessment whatever it is that we do design needs to um, address those learning outcomes in a, in a purposive way. Um, so I guess the key difference is the delivery itself um, and the way that we teach our units. Um, and depending on the course and if there's accreditation requirements, that might also govern the types of assessments we do within the unit. So, for instance, I work in the discipline area of law, and so we have certain units which are called priestly subjects that need to be consistent throughout Australia in the way that they're delivered. Um, And one of the regulatory requirements is that the priestly 11 units need to have examinations. So that's something that we needed to remain there. Um, But then the other pieces of assessment do allow, um, you know, a little bit of creativity in terms of what we do. So I guess a little bit of a shift from the traditional, you know, 50% assignment, 50% exam. And one of the things that we try to do in our design is really look at the weightings of the assessment. So some of them were even uh, in traditional mode were 70%, 70, 30%. So 30% assignment 70% exam which is a really heavy weighting Um, and so we looked at breaking down that assessment into smaller parts and that would mean then students are able to receive feedback and then improve and and build 
um, on on their on their tasks. So I guess the key things from that, what I've just said is one: same learning outcomes need to be assessed. So um, we're not compromising the integrity of the unit. Secondly, we still have accreditation requirements, so we need to make sure whatever we design is within those requirements. Um, and then we're in doing so and taking that into account, we try to be creative in the weighting of the assessments and the different types of tasks and um, designing those tasks. I think probably one of the key things is trying to give students authentic assessment which is, you know, directly relatable to what they're going to be doing in the workplace. And so then their skills are also transferable um, and preparing them for employability. I'm glad you said that about authenticity, because I spoke to Bert Arison, um on a previous episode of the Talking and Learning Teaching podcast, and he talked specifically about the need to be authentic when we're assessing learning on the block. And you've reiterated that. So that's good. We've kind of got all of our ducks in a row. Um, you mentioned there about sort of weightings and breaking things down a little bit more. Now, I've heard uh, through the guests that I've interviewed on this podcast, but also I've I've read in in various papers that teaching and assessment are more closely integrated on the block than they would be on more traditional learning and teaching approaches. I mean, is that something you can expand on a little bit for us, Kathleen? Yeah, sure. So I guess one of the block principles that we have is that it's an immersive experience because we're seeing our students three times a week, three-hour sessions over a four-week period, and we are um, building this rapport. Um, students are building a rapport with each other. And um, so I guess organically what comes from that is this immersive experience within the unit because they are studying one subject at a time as well. And so this has allowed us to become sort of creative in the experiences we provide within the classroom. And then to what comes from that creative sort of experience in the classroom is then sort of innovative assessment that flows from it. So one example I'll give you is um, in a foundational law unit, which is actually the first unit students do within their undergraduate degree. And this unit also runs, so in the Bachelor of Laws, but other um, law and justice students also undertake this unit because it goes across a few different courses. Um, but within the first week, we take students to our state parliament, so um, the Parliament of Victoria, and we have our class um, there where they get to hear about parliamentary process from parliament staff firsthand, and um, they also get to hear from uh, MP, and they get to learn also about um, the parliamentary committee's process. So we have our whole class about how law is made while sitting in the seats of the Victorian Parliament, which is such a unique experience. And um, so we do that in week one. And then um, after they have participated in that, they, they're invited to prepare a, a journal um, and there's certain questions where they're guided. So it's, it's formed as a learning activity. Um, and I have used a, a, a tool which is called Feedback Fruits. So the students can um, submit their journal through Feedback Fruits and then they're automatically allocated another student's journal to provide peer feedback. 
And again, so this is, they're not assessed on this. Um, this is just something that is part of their reflective component after participating in this field trip experience. And um, then they uh, have an opportunity to review the feedback from their peers on their reflections. And they then are able to edit their journal entry and they submit it as their final, part of their final piece of assessment at the end of the block. So it's a, in nature, it's a reflective type assessment, but the way that it's designed is it's based on an experiential learning experience that they've done within the classroom. Um, and they are able to, they, they participate in week one. They've got time to reflect on that experience, make connections between what they did in week one and the unit content, um, and then um, be assessed on that. So it's a, it's a way that they can be informed. Um, it's also based on uh, Kolb's experiential learning theory. So there's um, a four-stage cycle. Um, and the first stage is the concrete experience, which is when they're going to parliament. The second stage is reflection and reflective component. So they're doing that when they do their journal entry and they're answering their questions and they're providing each other with feedback. And by providing each other with feedback, they're learning a few different things there. One, they're reading other students' responses and they're seeing how they've approached it and what they've learned, which should trigger their own, but they're also learning how to give each other feedback. And in an environment that feels safe, they're not being graded on that aspect. And they're given support because then they're given this opportunity to use that feedback from their peers to make revisions and then submit it for assessment. So I've sort of gone a little bit off track from the, the four stages, but um, the last two stages of Kolb's theory is about um, abstract conceptualization and active experimentation. And so if you go through all the stages, you're, you're achieving that learning and we're achieving that abstract conceptualization through that reflection task because the questions are very are designed around, you know, how does this connect to the unit, what we've been studying, how does this connect to your career objectives, um, your past ex learning experiences. So they're really making those connections throughout. And then we've tried to incorporate the active experimentation in the last class. When we cover law reform, um, we get the students to participate in an activity where they come up with their own law reform idea and um, do a bit of research and some suggestions. So that's sort of practising some of the skills that they learnt about parliamentary committees and the work that parliamentary committees do, but from a more law reform perspective. Um, so it's been highly successful. Um, the unit has had this parliament program operating since we started block model, um, the block model, and so that was in 2018. And it runs pretty much eight blocks a year. So um, we have a lot of students participating in the feedback. It's been very positive. I mean, so much to unpick there, but, but so much really good stuff. Um, you know, I think the bit about sort of getting students to provide feedback to each other is, is always so important. And also, I think one thing that sort of really resonated with me was this idea about reflection so you know just about everybody that I've spoken to about block teaching uh, so far has sort of really reiterated the importance of getting students to reflect 
um, you know, in an ongoing fashion as a means of supporting their learning in this particular block model. And it's it's great that you've also touched upon that, because, again, it provides that kind of you know, that congruence between all the conversations that I've had. I mean, the next question, you've kind of almost answered it to an extent, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway, because we can unpick it a little bit further. I mean, an important purpose of assessment is to support learning in the broadest sense, as opposed to just about being a means of measuring student performance. Is that broader support of learning through assessment something that takes on greater importance on the block, would you say? Mm, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's um, there's more opportunity to support student learning um, and to and to support them through their assessments in block model. So the I guess the way I say that is because, we, again, once again, we see them three times a week um, and so often that firstly, just the nature and the design of it means that there's this safe environment um, and there's ample opportunity to ask questions. So, and that's something students have told me, um, being in the smaller class sizes, they feel comfortable. They feel like their teachers are more accessible. So I guess that nature in, in the design allows allows that to happen but the other thing that we do a lot in our classes is we unpack the requirements and make it very clear in terms of what our expectations are for a particular assessment task and sometimes again depending on the type of unit um, there are activities that are designed to help um, students in a way sort of practice the skills that they're going to be applying in the assessment task so I'll give you one example, um, another unit that I unit convene, legal writing and drafting. The first assessment task is a letter of advice. So in class, we, we cover all the writing conventions and how to write a letter of advice. But we also have um, a group activity where students are given a hypothetical scenario and then in groups they're asked to prepare a letter of advice for that hypothetical scenario. And then they exchange their draft with another group and they provide each other with feedback. Um, and then we have a class discussion um, around that task. And pretty much that assessment, that first assessment is the same type of task um, in terms of they're writing a letter of advice on a hypothetical client. It's a little bit more detailed and they have lots of other documents. But by the time they've done that class activity, they're feeling really confident and um, capable to undertake the task. And it's really evident um, when you've got a small handful of students who haven't come to class and haven't participated in that task, it's evident when you're marking the assessments because um, the ones that did have sort of taken on all that feedback and incorporated it in, in the assessment. So, um, yeah, having sort of the activities designed for the assessment tasks so they can build those skills, but then also having the support where, um, you know, for instance, if it's an essay type assessment, we'll spend a dedicated time in class talking about the structure or um, how to research. And we also have support from our library that runs um, research and referencing classes and they can also, they're happy to work with unit coordinators to tailor specific library workshops to your unit. So if you feel that you don't have enough time within your class time to spend showing students how to research particular things, 
um, you can seek assistance from the library and they can tailor that. So that's been really supportive. Um, I mean, another example would be in this unit, legal writing and drafting, one of the other tasks they do is a settlement agreement. And so I spend a dedicated amount of time in class showing them how to find precedents and how to reference them. So that sort of supportive nature to what they're going to have to be doing in their assessment tasks. Again, so much fascinating stuff there. I mean, it seems that, you know, it's important to actually dedicate class time to addressing specific requirements around assessment. So you obviously talk there about, you know, if it's letter writing, then we're going to focus on some letter writing skills, which I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, why wouldn't you focus on those things if you were going to support the learners to do a good job of writing a letter? Um this idea around collaboration, so so students working together uh, on formative tasks. But then that final thing, again, always is the feedback. And it, it links quite nicely to the next question, because I'm going to I'm going to ask you about feedback and this this role that feedback plays in an ongoing fashion. So, I mean, what role does feedback play in supporting learning on the block? So I'm not necessarily talking about feedback on summative assessments. I mean, feedback provided as part of the instructional experience that's happening sort of in class on a session by session basis. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, something that I do personally with um, the feedback within the class, so I mentioned that students provide each other with peer feedback. Um, but another thing that I do is I show them a sample answer to the activity um, and I show that on the screen and I don't make it available before they've done the task because I'm worried then they won't want to do it because they see the sample answer. Um, but I show that in the class and so then that's another thing that they've got to compare to their initial draft. So I want them to draft their response I want them to give each other feedback and then I want them to see how I approached it. And so they've got like a combination of different things that they can use to build um, and improve. And sometimes what I also do um, is I go around the room and I have a look at theirs and I give them some of my own personal comments um, to their draft as well so that they can take that on. Um, and I've done that even with referencing. So I've just finished teaching um, uh, legal research methods, which is research and referencing. And part of that really focuses on um, the referencing system. So what I actually did in class was ask them, okay, here's this book, cite it in, in accordance with the ADLC. And then when you're done, put your hand up. I'm going to come around and have a look at your reference. And I found that that worked really well, even though I did put a sample answer on, on the screen. Um, I just felt that personalised approach, one, builds a rapport with students, but two, um, really helps them identify what they're doing wrong. So I think sometimes students struggle that even when they read the comment, and it might be, you know, you need to improve your referencing, they just don't understand exactly where they're going wrong. Um, and, and also telling them where they can get support. So, you know, I'll say, you know, if this doesn't work, why don't you um, go to the ADLC referencing classes with the library or see how help there? So I try to put them in touch with the university support services. So we have like another service, um, the Learning Hub, that provides support for students in respect to um, assessment tasks, so like submitting drafts and getting feedback on um, the grammar and the written structure. So as we're going through those things, I'm, I'm linking our support services 
to the students and saying, hey, today there's a drop-in service with student writing mentors. So you could go and do this. Um, and the other thing that I do that's sort of supportive in nature of the assessment is I actually tell them, you know, the assessment that they've got upcoming. I tell them, okay, today you should be at this stage with your assessment. By the time I see, you know, in, if we don't have a class tomorrow, when I see you on on um, Friday, then I want you to have done these steps. You should have got, uh, you know, found all your research and you should have a plan um, and I find that that really helps students in terms of managing their time for their assessment tasks as well. I really like that sort of assessment milestones because, you know, on the sort of traditional approach, the assessment is just kind of there in some sort of separate world from the classes that are happening. And you don't really know where you should be at, do you, at any given point? It's just like it needs to be completed by a certain date complete it and submit it by that date but you're not usually given much advice about where you should be in relation to how much you've got done or how much progress you've made so I think that's a really really good piece of advice and a great tip for anybody listening to this I mean it sounds like the feedback is kind of triangulated so they're getting it from you they're getting it from each other they might be getting it from library and learning services for example which is obviously really really important but I also really like the point you made about the kind of nature of the feedback because I mean um you know, it's all well and good saying to somebody, oh, you know, you've done this particular thing really well. But unless you explain to the student why they've done it well, you know, they, they might not know why they've done it well. But it's important to explain to them why they've done something well so that they can repeat that that skill or that behavior in future. And similarly, if there is an area for them to develop, it's important to tell them how to develop, isn't it? As you kind of made that point, because, again, you know, they're not going to make those sort of behaviors and, and strategies sort of consistent habits without providing that so I mean I think there was some great advice there I mean the next question we've, we've kind of addressed in a way because you talked about obviously requirements of regulatory bodies etc in relation to the influence they have on the type of assessments that you might set particularly in your area which is law in the general sense though are the types of assessments we set on the block different from the ones we might use in a more traditional context so I think I might give you the lawyer answer to this question and say yes and no. So the grey answer. Um, yes, they can be similar in terms of the traditional types of assessment that you see, whether it's an essay or um, an exam, they can be given in block. Um, but the nature of block model allows us to be creative and innovative in the different types of assessment we have. So what I mean by that is because students are only focusing on one unit at a time, we are able to break down our assessment tasks into smaller chunks. So instead of having that 70-30 split that we spoke about earlier in um, the traditional design, we can uh, break that down in and have, uh, for instance, four pieces of assessment. The first one may be weighing around 20%, you know, um, having a 30% assessment, assessment task and then, you know, another sort of 20 um, uh, and 20 split. So, you know, there's, there's flexibility in terms of the weighting and the number of assessments we have. Um, and that's because we know students can just focus on our unit as well. One of the things I did learn through um, the delivery of and the design of block models. So initially I had thought 
I could give the students, for instance, um, I had a I had an assessment task that was worth 30%, and in that task, the students had to prepare a case summary and answer an essay question. And so I thought, oh, I would be able to have that in two smaller chunks and get them to submit it separately. And maybe that would be better for students because they'd submit the case summary and then they'd have the essay. Um, and I did try that in the first block of delivery, but I learned really quickly that um, having too many little bits of assessment is not a good thing either um, for two reasons. One, for the students, because um, they had so many tasks to do in a, in a short amount of time. And um, they felt like they didn't have enough time to get through through that. But then also from a marking perspective of marking the assessment task and giving the feedback made it more intense. So I sort of learned, okay, that's not going to work, having lots of little bits. Um, and so I think really I've come to the realisation in block model, you probably shouldn't have more than four um, assessment tasks or like due dates or components. Um, and that seems to be as a maximum and manageable. Perhaps three is maybe an ideal amount, um, but you sort of really got to judge it based on the unit, um, the institution's policies as well. So we have a policy around having an assessment task before census date and giving the students the feedback. So you've got to take that into account in terms of the design and the nature of the activity so that you can meet those um, requirements. But I guess some of the other things that you can do to, there, there's some things you can do to manage those sort of expectations as well. Um, so some innovative kind of things that I've seen in terms of assessment. Well, one of them I explained a little earlier about the reflection activity for the Parliament program. Um, some units do in-class presentations or in-class um, tests. There are um, there are still essays in traditional form. Um, there are some case summary type activities, um, problem-based questions, and then even some more practical tasks that are relevant to what students would be doing in the workplace. So, you know, I mentioned a letter of advice before, or a memorandum, those sort of practical things they would do if they were a lawyer. And the good thing about getting them to do those authentic tasks early on in their degree, so I work with first-year students, so I've got first-year students drafting a letter of advice, drafting an affidavit. And one of the things I say to them at the end of the block delivery is, you can now put that on your resume, on your CV, that you've drafted a letter of advice, you've done an affidavit. So when you go and apply for your placements and your internships, you can say you've studied this unit, you know how to draft it, you know the requirements, and that's really helping them, you know, because we are focused on what they're going to be when they graduate, but there are things that they need to be doing while they're studying to build that portfolio of experience. So if we can design these things to build the skills early on, um, while they're studying with us and, and give them the tools they need to obtain internships. I think that's a great thing we can do. In You mentioned potentially, say, having like four assessments in a block. I mean, how soon would the first assessment be? How far into that block? Let's say you've got a four-week block. Would, would it be a case of like after the first week they submit? 
Yeah. So generally, um, the first piece of assessment is towards the end of week one. Um, and so that times with census date. Um, so if you have four assessments, it's generally an assessment each week. Um, so, well, I guess one of the key things is around, like I said before, design. Design's a big thing for the block. So um, something that I've done works well for me is I make um, my assessments due on a Monday. Um, and so it's Monday 11.59. And so it's technically Monday of week two is the first assessment task. And what that means is um, the students have the weekend as well to work on their assessment tasks. So sort of thinking about their work commitments, family commitments and other things. Um, and I then have, I aim to have the feedback published to them by the end of that week. So by Friday of the week that they've handed it in. So again, another sort of purposefully designed process means that um, I haven't de designed the due date um, on a weekend and that is for staff that are teaching into my unit or sessionals. Um, you know, they can't be expected to be working over weekends. So I've designed it in a way that it's on a Monday, we've got the whole week to mark and it also allows the students to use their weekend time if they're working full-time jobs and other things to work on their assessment. And I feel that that has worked really well. Um, and also having the consistency with the due dates of the different assessment tasks was good for students as well. So they knew it was always going to be Monday at 11.59 um, that they had an assessment for that particular unit due. So there was that bit of consistency and, um, you know, regular due dates and, and being able to remember and diarise those. Sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. I didn't hear what you said. Can you now? Yep, yep. No, I was just saying it's useful to have that consistent approach for the students, really, just to sort of help them plan and, and to sort of, you know, feel a bit better about the whole thing. Just got a couple of questions left. And the first one we've kind of addressed, but I'm going to ask it directly anyway. I mean, how important is formative assessment on the block? I mean, it seems like from what you've said so far, Opportunities to sort of submit drafts, get feedback, work collaboratively in class on assessment related tasks that are perhaps low stakes seems quite important. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah. And just being able to identify early on this, their strengths and their weaknesses for a particular task. And um, I guess it's also allowing us to intervene at an early point. Um, as well. So in terms of providing them with the support that they need or referring them to support services so that they can build on those skills. Okay, so final question there, Kathleen, and it's a quick and, a quick and dirty one, if you like. What would be your top assessment and feedback tips for Block? Yes. Okay. So I guess my first hot tip would be to try to design authentic assessment tasks where possible so that um, students are able to develop their employability skills and um, those skills are directly transferable to the workplace. 
Um, and like the reasons I mentioned before about not only the end goal about when they graduate, but also while they're studying with us for internships and placements and um, building towards those. So that would be my first tip. The second one would be um, around design. So thinking really carefully about when you set your due dates, when um, you're going to be publishing feedback and to consider that in the design. And I guess the other thing also to think about in the design and the due dates is thinking about any students who might apply for special consideration or extensions and how you're going to mitigate that. So the example I gave before about the assessments being due on Monday, um, generally most of my extensions and special considerations are within three days from that due date. And then when the results are published, they have been submitted and they're published altogether. So really giving some considerations around the different um, factors and uh, that might impact students' performance. And uh, I think I've got two more, actually. Yeah, and the third one I would say would be to try to design learning activities within the class that supports student learning and helps them work towards their assessment. So whether it's a part of the session where you dedicate to explaining the expectations or you actually have a mimic or a sample activity that works on the similar skills that they're going to need for their assessment. And the last one I would say is probably to try to use tools to assist you with providing feedback. So um, some examples would be there's an online tool called Feedback Fruits, which you can use where students can provide peer feedback to each other. Um, you can also design automated feedback. So when you select parts of your rubric, it generates automated comments. So trying to help manage that workload within a, in a short amount of time, but also being still really informative to students that they can they can use it. So I think they're my hot four tips. Well, I think throughout the course of this discussion, there's been a lot of fantastic information provided, tips, advice, guidance that people can utilise in relation to the assessment and feedback work that they're doing on the block. So, Kathleen, I just want to finish by saying thank you so much for providing those insights. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and hopefully we can get you back at some point in the future. Thank you very much for having me, and best of luck with it all. Thanks, Kathleen.